0: Many of you remember a couple of weeks ago now, it's hard to believe it. We had a week that was covered in smoke. Uh, I know for some of us, it's like, okay, please don't remind me of that. Like that was a rough week. Like we had to stay inside. We couldn't leave Uh, for many people with health conditions. It was just like terrible across the board, hard to breathe. And so it was like that way for a week. And then I think a bunch of us will remember this because this was just like one of the happiest days of 2020. On a Friday, some rains moved into our area, and then the wind started to pick up, and we finally started to see the smoke clear out. And then on Saturday morning, I remember this, I went running with a couple of friends, and I thought to myself, I've never been so happy for there to be rain right now. The rain came, and it kind of cleaned the air. It gave this sort of fresh feeling to what had otherwise been a a pretty sort of deathly week for a lot of people. That rain, to me it kind of feels like something that we need all over our world right now. We need renewal. We need to be cleaned up. We need uh, renewal uh, from all those who are, uh, for all those who are fighting this terrible disease. We need renewal for our frontline workers, our, our healthcare workers who've been fighting day in and day out to help keep people healthy. Uh, we need renewal uh, among uh, our discourse around race and racial reconciliation. And we need renewal in our politics, honestly. And, and you guys know me well enough to know I'm not going to get up here and start talking about political parties or individuals connected to politics. Uh, I'm going to be equal opportunity in kind of the way that I talk about both sides of a lot of these issues. But our political discourse is pretty rotten. And it'd be really great if we had kind of a cleansing, a moment like that rain that sort of washes away all of this negativity and pain and instead moves us forward. And what I want to say this morning is our hope is in that renewal, and the Bible calls that renewal the kingdom of God. The Bible actually talks about this this time, this place, this this pattern in our world where what God wants becomes crystal clear, and the way of life that God longs for for all people, that that way of life becomes central. It becomes sort of the, the main premise for living. And so we're going to look at, at different uh, touch points in the text about this. But the challenge for this morning for us, church, is do we want to be free from the dominion like the smoke? Do we want to be free from this oppressive time where uh, people disagree with each other and then they, they badmouth each other, they trash each other's families, they, they go to such lengths to try to win? Or do we want to be the kind of people who live in this place that is beautiful and filled with justice and righteousness, that it looks like the way God wants our lives to look, and that we can know what that looks like because of the scripture. We're going to walk through uh, three headings very briefly. What is the kingdom of God? What is this rain that comes and kind of cleanses our world? And then we're going to talk about a false kingdom, a kingdom that isn't how it's supposed to be, and then we're going to talk about the true kingdom particularly how leadership, those of us in leadership, and that's all of us, can be shaped in the ways of Jesus to bring this renewal, to bring the kingdom of God. So grab your Bibles, turn not to Luke 22 first, but turn to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to look at a passage that Jesus kind of uses to introduce himself at the beginning of his ministry. I've referred to this often because it's one of my favorite passages of scripture. It's kind of been foundational to me in my understanding of the kingdom of God. And so what's happening here? It's the early days of Jesus's public ministry. He's probably in his early 30s. He's a young man, and he's sitting in a room surrounded by other people who have lots of power. Now, picture the last time that was true for you. You were in a room, and there were people around you, or you were on a Zoom call, and they had a lot of power. And maybe you were one of the youngest people in that room. Maybe you were one of the least powerful people in that room. And so Jesus, in keeping with the tradition of his culture, being a Jewish man, he was given the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he got to read part of that scroll in front of all these powerful people. And so what he focuses in on is what I think is one of the most powerful descriptions of the kingdom of God in all of scripture. You won't hear the word kingdom, but it's in there. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. I'm going to start reading Luke chapter four, beginning in verse 16. When he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. This is Isaiah chapter 61. It says this about the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm gonna read through those five kind of hallmarks again. And whatever one pops out to you, whichever word or phrase really sticks out to you, would you just type that into the chat for me? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He's sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about something that is present and something that is coming. The present rule of the kingdom of God is is actually kind of what we shared earlier in our worship. (laughs) The God sightings that we share each week are examples of the kingdom of God. It's where we see something, some activity, some place, some event, and we go, okay, wait, that's God's work. God is doing that. We, we shared a celebration for someone's health concerns. That is a place where the kingdom of God has come through and someone's body is working a little bit better because God is in the midst of that. That's a moment where the kingdom of God is coming into the present. Anytime you and I practice acts of justice and mercy. Whenever we come beside the poor and the oppressed, that that feeling, that sense of being involved in something bigger than yourself, it's because you're participating right now in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is both a present thing, it's something that we can experience now, it's freedom for the oppressed, and it is a future thing. It is the righting of wrongs. If you talk to anybody involved in the criminal justice system in the United States, anyone who's willing to have an honest discourse with you about it, they'll tell you, this is a broken system. It works. It works for some, but it needs to be fixed. And almost always, these people involved in the justice system, from law enforcement officers to judges to lawyers, they will tell you it's going to take a long time to get this system working right. That's the future hope. That is what the kingdom will bring over time. And that's where we look at these statements like bringing good news to the poor and sight to the blind and release to captives. And we say, hey, I haven't done any of that lately. I haven't seen a thing that looks like that. Well, what if it's coming? What if it's just around the bend? What if you, church, get to participate in the future revealing over time? the kingdom of God, that this year, more than any other year, people will see and participate in God's kingdom. I love that in the chat. This is God's year to act. Yes. May it be so church. May that be our cry and our prayer. 2020, a lot of people would say it was a terrible year. There've been terrible things. Let us pray that it is God's year to act in our world and that the church would be a part of it. That the church would be a part of the mending and the healing between races where we say there are no more times when a black man or a black woman is killed unjustly. That we celebrate the end of violence against unarmed peoples. That we celebrate that law enforcement officers and communities of color have renewal in their relationships and that there's no more moments where a father like George Floyd or a daughter like Breonna Taylor or others too many to name have been killed unjustly. Let us long for that day, church, and may it come swiftly, Jesus. But here's the point. In the kingdom of God, the rich do not get richer. That's not how power works. The power that is proclaimed by Jesus, it is used wisely to help others and to undo injustice. And the question I want to ask is, is this how we think of leadership right now in 2020? Do we think of leadership in politics, in business, in your community? Do we think of it as an opportunity to undo the evils of this world? I got to tell you, I don't think of it that way very often. And this is where I want to make the turn now to talking about the false kingdom. We're going to go back to the Luke 22 passage. So turn with me there. We've heard a little bit of the context. Now listen with me just to verse 25. The disciples have been arguing, as men always do, about which one of them is the coolest and which one of them is the greatest. And Jesus actually answers their question in in a way that surprises all of them. And he begins his answer in verse 25. Luke 22, verse 25. He, Jesus, said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. What's he saying? That phrase, lord it over them, is that verb we talked about earlier. They dominate them. In other words, leaders, people in positions of power in this political kingdom, they don't act like it's God's kingdom. They don't act like it's an opportunity to bring sight to the blind or set the captives free. Oh no, the message translation puts it this way leaders outside of God's kingdom, they just throw their weight around. You ever been around someone that just kind of did that? They just threw their weight around. They were a bully. It didn't work out for them very well, did it? And so often, our default today on the left and on the right is to try to dominate the other side, destroy their argument, take them down to the bare bones. Our default position now in our political discourse is domination. How's that working out for us? Not that good. And the point of all of this is that power in God's kingdom is good. And in false kingdoms like the kingdom of politics, the kingdoms of political rule and reign, it always goes sideways. Now, hear me say this. I worked in politics, so I experienced this firsthand. There are good and noble and honorable people in politics on both sides, on the left and on the right. And I'm not quoting anybody and I'm not trying to gaslight anybody. I'm just saying, let us not throw the baby out with the bathwater because there are people that are aspiring to use their power well and wisely in the realm of politics. But I'll share one thing that was really discouraging to me when I spent a season working in politics. This was right after I finished college. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, so I I got a job working kind of as an administrative assistant to a law firm that worked in lobbying, political consulting. And most of us, when we hear the word lobbyist, we think like, ew, that's icky. These were moral, ethical, thoughtful lawyers that I worked with. These were good men and good women. But what I found working there and being involved in politics, this is back in my home state of Texas, but man, this is true anywhere you go, is that politics is cyclical. It's a cycle. And because it's a cycle leading up to your next election, leading up to your next fundraiser, leading up to the next thing, that consumption of time and energy means that power isn't often used for others. It isn't often used, like Jesus says, to right the wrongs, to bring sight to the blind, to bring freedom. It can be. It should be. But the way our system is set up, the use of power is cyclical. And if we put our hopes in politics, we will be disappointed again and again by the cyclical nature of power. You will be, church, whether your hope is in somebody else sitting in the White House next January, or whether it's the same person sitting in the White House next January. Either side, if you put all your hope, if you make a home for your hope in politics, you are going to be disappointed. You are because it's not the way power is supposed to be used. It's not. Now, can we be involved in politics? Should we vote? Should we participate in things like peaceful protests and using your voice and all of that? Absolutely. But if we put our hope in it, if we make it ultimate, we will be very, very disappointed because it's people. Because it's cyclical and we will be let down. So does that mean then we just say, hey, you know what? I'm just not going to be involved. I'm going to kind of back out of this. The Benedict option, not at all. Instead, we continue in what Jesus taught. Look with me at Luke 22 again. And we learn the pathway forward. And that is through living in the true kingdom, the kingdom where leaders use power, not just for our own ends, but for the glory of God. This is uh, verse 26. Jesus says, here's what the Gentiles do. Here's how politics looks. And then in verse 26, he says these wonderful freeing words. Hear these is freedom, church, but not so with you. Not so with you, disciples of Christ. Not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest, like the lead, and the leader like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? but I am among you as one who serves. Who's the greatest, Jesus says to his disciples. Is it the Gentiles or the Jews? Who's the greatest? Is it the Republicans or the Democrats, the capitalists or the socialists? Neither. That is not the question. The question is, what are you doing? Are you serving? Are you bending the knee in service to Jesus Christ, in service of others, in service of those without power? On the margins, the oppressed, that is the litmus test of all leaders. That word for service in the text here, the the original Greek word is diakonos. And that's where we get this term uh, for a position in the church called deacons. Deacons are simply people who serve quietly, behind the scenes, blessing others. And I believe it is the calling of every disciple. It is the calling of the church right now to be deacons, to be diaconos, to be in a position of service and humbly coming beside others in our broken world. There's a person that uh, goes to our church. I won't say this person's name to um, kind of protect their confidentiality, but this person serves uh, with a ministry here on the east side that cares for the homeless, that helps provide shelter and food. And I was uh, out to lunch one time with somebody who works at this organization. And they said to me, oh, you, you're the pastor at Bethany. You must know so-and-so. And I say, yeah, I do know that person. And uh, the person that worked for this organization said, oh, my gosh, I wish we had 100 people like that person that goes to your church. I said, really? Tell me about that. And they said, this person, man, they show up. And they're just, they got a smile on their face and they are happy to serve the guests at our homeless shelter. Doesn't matter what we ask this person to do. They could be sweeping the floor. They could be laying out the, the mattresses so that these uh, homeless men have a place to sleep for the night. They could be uh, ladling soup, spooning soup into people's bowls. Doesn't matter. They're there to help. And I know I can ask this person to step into any role and there's no ego, there's no pretense. They just want to serve. Church, that is a diaconos. That is someone who is serving in the way of Jesus and using their leadership to bless others. And I believe right now, right now, the church has an amazing opportunity to live into that vision of leadership that Jesus describes to come in as one who serves. Not to sit at the head chair of the table, but to take care of others and to bless them and to serve them too. I want to suggest two pathways as we close to kind of get into this attitude of servant leadership. First of all, find something that you're passionate about and take every opportunity you can to serve. If you're passionate about the Ministry of Racial Justice and Reconciliation, get in touch with our leaders, Jared or Ryan. Let them know you're passionate about it and ask them how you can serve. Be open-handed in your service. As Stephanie steps into this new role here at church, we are gonna to need to come beside her, church. We're gonna to wanna to cheer for her and support her and support our kids. So when she comes calling, when she sends you a message and says, hey, I need someone to step in and help me with Sunday school, 45 minutes on a Sunday morning, once a month, that's it. Church, say yes. Say yes to becoming a diaconos to our children, a diakonos to those young people who need to see examples of Christian leadership, who need to see the kingdom being enacted through people who love Christ and just want to be present with them. Help us bless and serve the community by partnering with us as we bless Robert Frost Elementary School. You see that in your bulletin. I couldn't believe it this week when I got an email from the school counselor. She said, hey, we need your help. And I, I couldn't believe it because I so longed for that when I first got here, that our local schools and people in need, that when they face a need, that they would come to the church, not because we want to be powerful or represented or, or respected, that they would come because they know we'll follow through. We'll show up. So church, show up. If, if you can help support the needs that are happening at Robert Frost Elementary School, please do so. If you wanna do that at your own school, please get in touch with your school counselor and help meet those needs. The second pathway that I would recommend is to turn the tables. Can you say that with me? Turn the tables. We live in a time when so many people in conversation are just, they need a space to process, they need a space to be heard. Let the church be the place where our diakonos, our act of service to someone else is to say, I'm here to listen. I can't tell you. (laughs) This just surprised me so much, especially when I was early on as a pastor, how often I would sit with people and how rarely it would happen that someone would ask me, like, how are you doing? You know, how are you? Because so often I come into those conversations and I'm there to provide care. I'm there to provide service. And it was so refreshing when someone would say to me, how are you doing? Church, let us be the type of people that when we get into conversations in the week ahead, we make a mental note to say to ourselves, I'm going to ask this person good questions. I'm going to make them the center of this conversation. I'm going to do my level best to serve them by giving them the gift of my presence. And will that be a challenge? Oh, yeah, because we're going to want to get in a word or share something or do this or do that. And especially if it's political, things might get heated. Well, you know what? If you show up as a servant, things might turn out better than you think. So show up. This is God's year to act. Amen and amen. Let us bless others with our presence. Let us practice that now as we go into our breakout rooms. You'll see two questions in the chat. You'll see those questions in your bulletin. Very simple. The first one is a god siding question, kind of a warm-up. Where did you see the work of the kingdom? Something happened. That looks like God's kingdom. It looks like justice and mercy and righteousness in this last week. And the second thing is, how do you want to get involved? How do you want to step into leadership? Leadership that is shaped by Jesus Christ, not by false kingdoms, but by the true kingdom of God. How can you, what's one step you can take to step into that this week? Let me pray for us as we go to our breakout rooms. God, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for challenging us. Help us lead us and teach us. Help us to be your servants and servants of our neighbors and friends. We love you, and we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll have 20 minutes in your breakout rooms to go to your breakout rooms. Scroll down to the bottom of your screen and click on the word breakout rooms, and then it'll say join breakout room, and you click that blue button. We'll see you in your breakout rooms.